Welcome into Jags AM here, October 26th. Kainani Stevens, Brian Sexton, John Osier. We're getting ready for Steelers week, and it's our last game before the bye. So we have to focus on this one and not get ahead of ourselves, right? Not in vacation mode yet. Um, we're going to talk a little bit uh, more in depth. We're going to get one of our insiders in here to talk Steelers. But we want to talk about our big things first. And first big thing is going to be Tomlin. Mike Tomlin has been the coach in Pittsburgh quite some time now and with him comes his reputation and we got to hear a little bit from him and Doug talked about his relationship with Tomlin and what he's known for. Yeah I know Mike pretty well um, and I've coached against him you know several times now and and a lot of respect for him and what he's done there. Um, gosh as you mentioned he's, he's won a lot of football games you know double digit wins you know most of his career and and that, that's pretty impressive. Um, you know, obviously championships and things of that nature. And, you know, he does a great job of just of just getting getting his teams prepared, the way he messages his team, you know, uh, motivates his team. Um, they play hard. They play physical. They're fast. It's a disciplined group, and they always have been. And, um, you know, it's just uh, it's kind of the tradition of, of the Pittsburgh Steelers over time, you know, through history. And, uh He's, he's definitely carried that carried that on in his career there as the head coach. Brian, what's one thing that comes to mind for you when you think of Mike Tomlin? He fit in effortlessly. He was a young coach, Kai, when they hired him 15 years ago, coming off a Tony Dungy staff, and Dungy obviously had ties to Pittsburgh, so they knew what they were getting. But in all these years, they've had Chuck Knoll, Bill Cower, and Mike Tomlin, and he has he's won a Super Bowl, just like Bill Cower, not four like Knoll, but he's He's been a really good coach and kept the Steelers' mentality alive, right? That run the ball, play great defense. Uh, I, I just, he's been tremendous and just seamless in uh, Pittsburgh mentality. Well, you think of the Steelers, and it, the first thing you always think of is, in fact, they've had three coaches in 54 years. Mm -hmm. And so when I think of Tomlin, I think of the organization and how they are able to commit to an idea. And with Tomlin, uh, when the organization does that and you know they are committed to you if they know you're doing the right thing and if they know you're coaching to sort of this standard then you can succeed and with the Steelers so much of it is I kind of compare them to the way the Titans have played lately where you know they're going to get the maximum out of what they have on the field they're going to play to a certain way and I always say with the Titans you know I'm not just search I'm not so sure it's true this year but they know how how Vrabel wants them to play. Mm -hmm. Well, there's never any doubt with the Steelers what the expectations are. In the NFL, if you've got everybody working on the same page, everybody knowing how you're supposed to play, you're going to be in a lot of close games. And if you believe in the coach, you're going to win some of those games. So they really speak to that ideal. I mean, Jaguars fans are tired of hearing that after 30 years, <laughs> but to me, that's the model franchise. Yeah. And even with New England having their run, I was with the Colts for 10 years. Pittsburgh, you always knew that they were going to compete. They had an ideal. They played to it, and Tomlin just fit right into that. I was going to say, that's exactly what it is. The Steelers' way has always been the same. Always. And he just, his players love playing for him. Uh, he's a lot of fun to watch when he's mad at a press conference mm -hmm. because he has no filter. Uh, I think he's been great for the game. And they also have the courage, the Steelers do, and they always have, not to... It, if Tomlin goes seven and ten this year, right. um, there won't be a, oh my goodness, it's the coach's fault. Right. It's always the coach's fault. Well, sometimes an organization, 
a cower had uh, slide years. Well, in the coach's fault, there were other things going on. They have the belief or whatever it is not to always blame the coach, which it seems like most other franchise want to blame the coach because well, the fans do. And I can remember a time where it was tough to sell tickets in Jacksonville, mm-hmm. right? And I can remember someone in Pittsburgh saying they don't have that problem here, right? So they don't make decisions based on what do the fans want and will it help them buy tickets next year. They always make football-based decisions, not marketing-based decisions. And when you reach that point, and not every franchise does. In fact, few do. When you reach that point, you can be patient with your coach and, and know what he's doing. And I think that's huge. You guys mentioned that relationship between ownership and coach. That doesn't happen everywhere to have that belief in your coach. And I think we like to think that having the GM, the owner, and Doug on the same page here. That's how you start something like that, having faith in everybody and all working together. Our second big thing this week, or this today, I should say, is going to be TJ Watt because he's a really big thing, and he's a game wrecker. We heard Mike Tomlin talking about Trayvon being a game wrecker. This is their version of that. Trevor Lawrence talked about it yesterday. He's not just a pass rusher. He's a great defensive player. I mean, he's good against the run. He's good dropping in coverage. He just had a pick last week against the Rams. Um, dropping out underneath in zone. So, I mean, he's just an all-around great player, and you got to always know where he's at. you got to have a plan for him. Um, so it definitely puts some stress on you. And then you look at the other side, and they got Highsmith, who I played against actually in college. He went to UNC Charlotte, uh, which is just funny seeing him again and just the career he's had. I mean, I knew he was going to be a stud when we played him his senior year there. He was, he was giving us fits. So um, it's both those guys, really. That's what makes it challenging, too, is you don't have to worry about just one guy you got one on each edge. So um, it's a challenge and, you know, we're gonna have to have a great plan for it and we will, but, you know, we're kind of working through all that right now and um, it'll be it'll be a good battle Sunday. John, Trevor brings up there, it's not just TJ Watt, it's Highsmith on the other side too. And it's that combination that can be difficult for certain offenses to deal with. Well, and they've always got one. I mean, yeah. 30, 30 years I've been covering the league and it seems like, you know, if it's not TJ Watt over there, it's somebody. Yeah. So uh, again, I think that speaks to when they draft a player like that, like T.J. Watt, they know exactly what they want out of a player when they draft him. And they draft him for spots. They draft him for fit. He's been the perfect fit. Speak to your point, Kai. Um, they really are built around their edge rusher's ability to get to the quarterback. Uh, the Jaguars are built overall defense, good edge players, not necessarily we are going to get to the quarterback every time. It's more of a team mm-hmm. concept. So. Um, I don't know. It's almost like they're polar opposite ways to play good defenses, these two teams, because the Jaguars are going to stop the run. The Steelers aren't, aren't really a great run defense because they— Which is amazing to hear. Well, but they play a 3-4, and they have committed to playing a lot of 2-5, really. I mean, they don't really emphasize stopping the run. They emphasize getting you in enough bad situations that they can have their edge rushers get to the quarterback and force mistakes. So— um, they're a different kind of Steelers team. There's no question. There were times when you just you'd slam your head into the line of scrimmage over and over and over, and you'd leave the game with, you know, 18 rushing attempts for 29 yards. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how good they always used to be against that. I understand they've changed things up a little bit. Um, I watched the game, the Rams game last week, and T.J. Watt popped off the screen. So I went back just to confirm it mm-hmm. and watch the replay, and he I mean, he is a tremendous player because he can do so many different things. It's not just chase the passer. It's drop back in coverage and still be an explosive guy. And he makes everyone around him better. Ryan uh, Clark, is that the safety who's on ESPN? Yes. Said this week that he thought he had a chance to be the greatest dealer of all time. Just think about the great players they've had on that defense. How many Hall of Famers, and you're talking about 
Well, is he as good as Joe Green? Well, if you've got Ryan Clark suggesting that, a guy who played for the Steelers, who understands the mentality of that Steelers organization, it's a worthy conversation, and that tells you what you're up against. Yeah, I'm going to say he's not. <laughs> John's weighing in. Of all time, but I'll, I'll, uh, well, I'm not saying he is. I'm just yeah. saying if they're talking about, former Steelers are talking about yeah. it, that tells you what they think of the guy. But he's, I mean, yeah, I, I get it. The conversation is interesting to have. And, and uh, he's young. So he's already he's got, got 88 time. sacks, I think, in a sack era. Yeah, well, let's so, put it this way. If, if, if at the end of his career he keeps playing this way and he's a Hall of Famer, is he worthy of having conversations? Where does he belong in the greatest? Sure. Okay. Well, that's what I think what Ryan was saying. Let's go to our final big thing here today. Terrible towels. It's a tough environment to play in Pittsburgh. And Trevor Lawrence talked about what it means to him to go up there and play. One to check off the list, like playing in cool stadiums, historic places and obviously Pittsburgh is just they got a great um, I mean just their whole organization has like an aura around it that's really cool and they're you know they had some obviously great players some great teams um, you always know kind of what team what kind of team Pittsburgh is going to have every year I mean super physical great defense their offense is, is playing really well I mean that's just you know what you're going to get so they're they're really consistent coach Tomlin's obviously done a great job there uh, but I'm excited I'm excited to play over there We've played in some hostile environments, you know, Kansas City, uh, New Orleans. I think those are up there, um, and this will be another one that'll be a challenge and it'll be fun to play in. John, what's it going to be like at a Heinz Field, or should I say, Acrisure Stadium instead? Well, Heinz I mean, Field to me. when they get rolling, it, it's it's an impressive atmosphere. Uh, the other side of that is when the Jaguars have been good, they've gone up there and handled that atmosphere pretty well, and uh, I think this is a team. You know, it's silly to say you never worry about atmosphere because uh, they're real in the NFL, but this team hasn't lost away from the, this city yet this year. Uh, they were a good road team last year. It, it's never really bothered them. They didn't win in Kansas City last year twice, but there's a lot of teams that don't do that. Yeah. I don't know if that yeah. was the crowd as much as the team you're playing. Sure. So um, it, it's intense when the towels get rolling, when they start playing Renegade and, and – late in the game they pick their spot to do it and but I don't think that that is something I've seen teams get overwhelmed by it I don't know that this Jaguars team will get overwhelmed by it no I don't think so um and Heinz Field is a great place to watch a game mm-hmm. uh it's not like old Three Rivers I think they lost something when they left that old bowl ring mm-hmm. you were not welcome at Three Rivers Stadium right <laughs> uh now at Heinz Field it has more of a, of a of a nice feel to it you know it's a nicer stadium um but when they're playing well it's a tough place to win We'll have to see how things go down on Sunday. Stay with us here on Jags AM. We're going to go cross over here as we talk to our Steelers insider coming up after the break. Welcome back to Jags AM presented by Fields Auto Group Jacksonville. Step up to luxury at fieldsauto.com. Playing the Steelers this week, so of course we have to go and talk to our Steelers insider. Chris Carter is here with us today. and. Chris, we were talking a little bit yesterday about Mike Tomlin because I love to hear from Mike Tomlin. He's always a good time. And he was calling Trayvon Walker a wrecking ball. We were just talking about TJ Watt, your wrecking ball. So I know Mike Tomlin's not a huge fan of identity, but how would you describe your team? Because we see a lot of similarities between the two. 
I mean, I, I, that's what I, I did a lot of talking about this week is that I think this is a mirror match in a lot of ways. You have a young quarterback looking to prove himself. You have a first-round running back from the 2021 draft and Najee Harris and Travis Etienne. You have T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith the same way you have Tron Walker and Josh Allen. T.J. Watt has been, you know, he's put himself in that conversation as one of the greatest defenders of all time. Just this last week with that interception that you're seeing there against the Rams, he became the only Taylor, only other player not named Lawrence Taylor to have 70 sacks and seven interceptions in his first seven seasons in the NFL. He's at an insane pace. He beats you in so many different ways. The Rams even schemed a way to try to take him and Alex Highsmith out. Either they were getting the ball out quick or they were triple and double teaming them to make sure that they couldn't get to Matt Stafford. And so when TJ Watt realized that, he said, okay, you want to double team me? That's fine. We're, I'm going to drop back into coverage and, figure, and, and wait for you to jump on that. So that's where the defense has kind of been so far. They've been relying on playmaking. There was literally a game they won where both Alex Highsmith and TJ Watt scored touchdowns, scored more touchdowns than the Steelers' offense in the game. That's what they're trying to be right now. I think the, the Jaguars, they've had more success stopping the run than the Steelers so far. But one thing that the Steelers are also doing, they're coalescing a lot of new guys, a new linebacker core that they've brought in. Uh, their defensive front has been missing Cam Hayward all season. And close, closer and closer all season long, they've been getting sharper on defense. Chris, when you look at this offense, Kenny Pickett's still trying to figure things out. And you guys kind of reminiscent of the Jaguars last year where you're getting down early and then he's going, uh, Kenny, Kenny Pickett specifically is doing great in the fourth quarter. What is it about that? Is he just like when the stress is there and he turns it on? Or how is he so good in the second half? It's more like he doesn't freak out and he takes what's in front of him. And it's so crazy. He jumps from a passer rating of 4 to 45 in the first quarter, which would be like half of what the worst quarterback is, is doing right now in the NFL, all the way up to 102 in the fourth quarter. That's how good he has been in the fourth quarter. He makes smart decisions. That's the guy that I covered when he played at the University of Pittsburgh. He would be clutch, though he would he, he, they want him to be more consistent in the first quarter, and he got more consistent in college. They're working on getting him more consistent in the pros. Kenny Pickett, though, I think the biggest thing is that you're seeing with the late fourth quarter plays, I think the game's slowing down for him in those moments because he's, he, he's putting it on the line. He's kind of not fit, thinking about just not turning the ball over. He's thinking about, hey, let me go out there and make the play. And the Steelers, they're trusting him to do that. And I think one thing that's really helping him, especially now, is the return of Deontay Johnson, his number one receiver, who came back in that Rams game. Now he has two number one guys in him and George Pickens that can line up on either side of the ball and, and distract the defense from being able to focus on one particular receiver, which could make for an interesting day. So Kenny Pickett still coming along. I think that he that when he is at his best, he is a he is a really good decision maker who can take advantage of where the defense is trying to take one thing away and exposes another opportunity. Uh, and that's what the Steelers want him to be. Mike Tomlin said that's who they saw at Pitt. That's who they're hoping to get. And uh, he now has, through 18 starts, six game-winning drives, five fourth-quarter comebacks. They just got to hope that that clutch play expands into complete play, and then they'll have their franchise quarterback. People are so used to the Steelers as a run-centric team. Um, is there any sign that they're getting that going, or are they just going to be a passing offense? Oh, no, there's signs that they're getting that going, especially in the second half uh, against the Jaguars and against the Ravens. The offensive line here, I think that's the biggest thing that's holding the Steelers back. Najee Harris and Jalen Warren, they're the one to punch the Steelers one at running back. They're, they're, they're physical. Najee Harris is more of a, of a you know, five and eight yard guy that pushes the pile forward, who, who you know, makes guys miss. Jalen Warren's more of the straight speed. If you make a one cut guy that can, that can hurt you if you give him a lane. But 
the offensive line hasn't been great yet this year. Broderick Jones, the guy they drafted in the first round, he started against the Ravens, was good. But when Dan Moore Jr. came back from his injury, he went back to starting at left tackle and actually played well against the Rams. Mason Cole at center, he has been probably the weak link of the offensive line, but had his best game against the Rams, ironically, when he had Aaron Donald lining up across from Isaac Samalo, who came in from the Eagles at left guard. He's been huge. This group just needs to get on the same foot, and that's where the Steelers want to be. They want to be a balanced offense. They don't want to be a pass-happy unit. They want to be able to run the ball. Mike Tomlin said it during the offseason to one, to one of his draftees. He said, we want we are want to build a goon squad. We want to be more physical than opponents. And that's why Mike Tomlin spoke so highly of Josh Allen, Javon Walker, and that, and that Jaguars defensive run because he knows that's a big challenge for his offense that's starting to figure out how to run the ball a little bit more consistently. But now you're going up against a bunch of big guys that aren't going to make that easy. So look for the Steelers to try to establish the run in this game, but not overly so. They still want to run play action. They still want to give Kenny Pickett a chance to make plays but they want this to be a balanced attack from the offense. All right, Chris, thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you on Sunday for the game. Thanks for having me. All right, guys, we'll be right back. We're going to do he will, he won't, he might as we look at players that might break out in the game on Sunday. Suddeth is Florida's trusted and reliable moving company. Suddeth is proud to be the official moving partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. To get a guaranteed quote, you can visit suddeth.com slash jacks. We are back here. We've been talking Steelers all morning, and now we're going to talk about the Jaguars players we think will have an impact in this game on Sunday. So, Brian, who are you looking at to kind of break out on, on Sunday? Well, I don't know if he's going to break out. It's Anton Harrison, the right tackle, and he, he will get beat on Sunday because the Steelers are going to go after the rookie right tackle, and you're talking about T.J. Watt, who we have been featuring since uh, the week began. So he won't, though, let it bother him, and I think he'll rebound and play well. He's been playing well. The last couple of weeks and uh, he might be the real bright spot on that offensive line right now because week to week he keeps getting better i agree um i went with calvin ridley and uh i guess my, he will be fine and <laughs> i guess when i hear the buzz about a wide receiver oh he's not getting catches he's not getting this remember 1999 brian you've been here a minute mm -hmm. um about halfway through that season i get a call from a sports editor I need a story on what's wrong with Jimmy Smith. Oh, no. Um, was that so, before he had the, the 16 catch game against the... Uh, so I went to Jimmy and I said, Jimmy, I, you know, I know Jimmy for about five years. And I said, hey, I, my editor wants me to do this story. I've got no choice. When Tom tells you to do something, you got to do it. When this guy tells me, okay, we did it. Um, he, he finished the season with 1,600 yards receiving and 116 catches. Sometimes receivers go through lulls is my point. Um, it's not up to them when they get the ball. And sometimes when the defense takes you away, you can't get it. Uh, he won't be bothered by this buzz. I don't get the idea. Every receiver wants the ball, but I don't get the idea that Calvin is overly stressing about um, one or two games where he's not the focal point in the offense. And uh, he might, I don't know if break out, but you know, this almost goes back to he will. And I know I'm breaking the code here, but um, He's still going to be a huge part of this offense. He might be one of those guys who's key even when he's not getting the ball. Talking to the receivers yesterday, the other receivers, not him, uh, they need him on the field because he draws defenses. They really need the whole group, but he's part of a mosaic, if you will. Not necessarily, they are not going to just feature Calvin Ridley in the offense. Uh, so, so he's going to have his moments, 
but he's not going to be every week the 100-yard guy. That's not the way the offense is going to be set up. I remember the storylines about Jimmy that year, and there was a huge Sunday night game against the Saints in yep. 1999. It was that week, by the way. It was 12 catches and 200-plus and yards, and, and all of a sudden the rest of the year he was the best receiver in the AFC. All right, for mine, I picked Devon Hamilton because I think he will play this week. We've seen him working back. He practiced in full last week. This week he is practicing in full as well, and he has no medical clearances to go. It's just whether, you know, coaching and him say they're ready to go. So I think he will play. He might, um, what did I say? Why do I do this every week? He won't look rusty is what I meant to say because he's been practicing for so many weeks. And I do not think, and I think he might also have an impact in the sense that what Devon Hamilton brings to this defense by clogging up the middle can help the pass rush, it can help coverage, and I think he's someone we forget about a little bit because the defense has been doing so good, but the role that he plays is crucial for this team as well. He'll make it easier on Trayvon to get some of those sacks. He'll push the pocket and force a quarterback to step slightly outside, and, and Trayvon has been there. He's been on the outside and has had his hands around the quarterback. My guess is wanting to stay away from number 41, the quarterback is going to drift into 44. Yeah, and the, uh, the pass rush as a whole, if you listen to Josh Allen talk about it, he's always talking about pass rushing as a team, having a team plan. Uh, Devon Hamilton at the end of last year, think about Roy Robinson-Harris, how good he was at the end of last year. Devon Hamilton was making a lot of guys better. Uh, there's four or five guys they really depend on to get to the quarterback. Devon Hamilton being a no-tackle, you don't think of that. One of the reasons they signed him to the big deal in the offseason was he was showing he could impact the pocket. Absolutely. So we'll be happy to have him back, hopefully, this Sunday. Stay with us. We're going to preview again Sunday's matchup and give you our final thoughts on it. Jags fans, if you want customized Jaguars furniture for your home, check out ZipChair.com to browse all customizable options. ZipChair is furniture for fans. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't think I need to kind of speaks for itself, you know. Um, it's just, it's like one of those things, you, you, you find ways to win, you get, you get criticism, and you don't win games, you get criticism. So it's the nature of the business. Obviously, we're used to that here, so it doesn't, it doesn't bug us, but I think it's just, you know, I, it's a good reminder just to everyone that, you know, we use all this. It's a chip on our shoulder. We use it as fuel. Um, that's really all it was, nothing, nothing more to it. I've, obviously, those people are doing their jobs, too, at the same time, so you understand it, but um, I think it's good to have a little emotion and, and remember, remember kind of things that people say, and we don't forget it when, when people are backtracking in a, in a few weeks or into the season, whatever it is. So um, that's all it was. So you are keeping your seats. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Everybody does a little bit. Maybe some more than others, you know, others more than me probably. Um, but definitely, I think you use all that. And that's part of getting our edge back as a team. That's what we've done the last few weeks. And we're going to keep doing it. Trevor's keeping receipts, guys. He's listening. He's got his own bulletin board material. <laughs> I like to hear it from Trevor when he gets a little saucy. And he was on Twitter as well talking about, you know, they're just going to keep finding ways to win and let people analyze the team the way they analyze the I think the that when he's a little spicy and mm-hmm. he's still just relaxed, right? I mean, Right. It's not just, actually spicy. He wasn't I'm gripping the sides of the him. podium. Yeah, for him, right? Yeah. He's, what is it? What does my kids call him? Uh, chill? He's very chill. He's chill. He's Even very when chill. he's firing back. Look, he knows he's good. Um, <laughs> and he, he but... I think he has a perspective from being in the spotlight for so long sure. about sort of what it all is. Uh, what's good, I think, is he, he's maintained his confidence, and I do think he has perspective on, on uh, what's important. Uh, his, his stats aren't off the charts. You can see why, if people don't watch him, why they make comments about him not being, quote, elite, uh, because his numbers aren't, you know, 
40 touchdowns, but he's doing what it takes to win. He, he's the quarterback of, of, of a conference or a, of a division-leading team, uh, and I think he knows that. I think he's won enough in his life, and he's, he's got enough that he doesn't have to prove himself. He just has to win. No ego. We love that. Yeah, I mean, I think there's an element there to that with him. Absolutely. All right, guys, what do we think about the Sunday? you think the win streak continues, or do we think it's going to be a tough one? Well, I think it's going to be a tough one. I, I think they should win. I think they will win. Uh, and it sounds like I'm talking out both sides of my mouth, but I'm not. <laughs> uh, but I don't think, I mean, I think it's going to be tough because yeah. the Steelers are a team that, especially at home, uh, they are capable of winning weird. They've won sort of weird all season, uh, meaning they create points with their defense. And, and they can get you if you make a key mistake. And the one thing that you worry about with the Jaguars this year, they have put the ball on the ground on mm-hmm. offense. They have given teams opportunities. They can't do that this week, right? You can't have an eight, uh, eight consecutive third down conversion failure rate like they did last week in New Orleans. You gotta stay on the field. Uh, if the Steelers control the ball for 36 minutes like the Saints did, the Jaguars will not win the ball game. But if the Jaguars can stay on the field and find some sort of rhythm, I think they've got more offense than the Steelers do defense. All right, I'm going to ride the wave. I think we'll go into the break on a five-game game I think they streak. will, too. So I let's do. do it. I think they win the game. Absolutely. All right, we'll have you covered for our full coverage on Sunday, and then we'll be back for, with a full recap here on Jags AM on Monday morning. Enjoy the game.